You're listening to Michael Easley in Context. And now your host, Michael Easley. As a seasoned communicator and Ramsey personality, Rachel Cruz has been speaking to groups as large as 10,000 people for more than a decade. Daughter of Dave Ramsey, she joined Ramsey Solutions in 2010 and uses her knowledge and experience from growing up in the Ramsey home to educate others on the way to handle their money wisely and to stay out of debt. Rachel co-authored the number one New York Times bestselling book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, with her dad. And her new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, comes out October 2016. You can find out more about Rachel on Twitter and Instagram at Rachel Cruz. Very easy, at Rachel Cruz. Rachel, thanks for hanging out with In Context for a little while. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. We had a blast. We were together two years in a small group, you and Winston. Yes. Got to watch you guys grow and have a baby and... So fun. Those two years, seriously, they were amazing. They were. I mean, people that listen know that you're like brilliant, but literally oh. as we're like reading scripture, he's like, is that a passive verb or an actual? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know. Don't, don't you care, right? So, no, no. But like it <laughs> changed the way I read scripture. It really did. I mean, it's just, it was unbelievable. And so, and spending that time with you and Cindy it was, was fun. so fun. It was a great group. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun. Great Every group. Sunday night too. It was pretty. Yeah. For two years. Pretty hardcore. And you and Winston were pretty good about being there every time. <laughs> Coming back from a vol game, running in to meet the group. We yeah. would. Yeah. We, it was a priority. You did good. Hey, let's talk about your new book. So, yeah. first of all, why write a book? Why write a book? Um, for me, in this process, there was just a message stirring in my heart that came, obviously, related with money. I just feel like that there's a totally different perspective we can take when it comes to our money, because obviously Dave has written money books that have done well. So it's like, why write another money book? And our world today is just different. The way we not only handle money on a tactical level, but the struggles that we've come in contact with day in and day out, they weren't 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. And so there really is this new perspective when it comes to our money. And so that's what I wanted to write about. And for me, uh, looking at my life, people always ask different questions about my finances personally and what I do. And so I realized what I've really done is thankfully because of my parents and raised in a household where money was talked about and they instilled good knowledge with us, but they also instilled good habits for us. And they let us practice how money works to the point that as adults now, it's a habit for me to steer clear of debt or make a plan for my money, do the things I talk about in the book. And so how important habits are where it really is muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And so getting people to the place, I'm like, gosh, if you can develop good money habits over time and that becomes your go-to with money. And I don't want to say how easier it is to handle money, but in a sense, you have the tools there and you can use them. And so all of that kind of combined really was stirring. I'm like, okay, how do I lay this out? How do I convey this message? And so the book just kind of came out of that place. I love the title, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Thank you. I've said for years that comparison is the kiss of death of gratitude. Yes. Whether it's financial, whether it's achievement in life, what people do, what they don't do. And we're happy and content until we compare. And then we go, well, I'm not like them. And yep. you've looked at social media through that lens to say social media is sort of the the cauldron of this comparison. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. You know, I look back my parents' generation and it was keeping up with the Joneses. But you actually had to see the Joneses in person. You had to see them pull into church and be like, oh, wow, I feel like we need a new van. Or like you see their kids come out and you're like, oh, wow, they're so well behaved. You had to see them. And now we carry our Joneses around in our back pockets on our phones. And the Joneses have filters on Instagram to make their life even better and enhancing. And we don't even have to know the Joneses <laughs> to compare our life. And so it really has become this. And nobody puts their, their worst picture up. No. <laughs> right? Maybe makeup free, but. No, 
Never. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's really everyone's highlight reel is what it becomes. It's the best part of everyone's life. And that's really what we have to realize as a culture and our perspective is that that picture you see, it's, it is always the friend having a picnic with her three kids. The light is beaming like right <laughs> on the thing. And they're eating like gluten-free, non-GMO <laughs> homemade crackers. And I'm like, oh, okay. I think I made a peanut butter. And yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, and that's what you see. And it's like every picture seems to be that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't smile like that. Like it's little things like that. And you start comparing. So you just have to realize it's the best part of everyone's life. Everyone puts their best foot forward on social media. So, so maybe a takeaway from this podcast is put a really crummy picture of yourself on. <laughs> I know. Well, I thought about the marketing <laughs> of the book. Car. I'm like, we yeah. really could do a fun hashtag. And it's yeah. like, have to take a picture of whatever you're looking at right in the moment. And it's not always going to be perfect and beautiful. But Dirty dishes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Seriously, though, social media has created this. It's not just instantaneous and the best of, but it's also nonstop. Constant. I mean, how many of us can really put this device away for hours? And what's scary to me and what I realized was a bad habit I talk about in the book is I will click on my phone and I swipe to unlock it and I'm in Instagram and I don't even realize I'm there. It just it just happens and I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here scrolling through pictures that I'm not even like consciously aware. I mean, it's just these little scary things that were for me that become a habit in my life where it's there. And then the need to keep up of, okay, well, I need to, I need to post. I need to do this. I need to have this plan. I need You feel this need to start showing other people what you're doing and it's like the badge of busyness is something I heard yeah. a girl say and it's true and it's false and so being able to take steps back of even that in my well, own well life, so how do you tell someone then to dial back their time on social media what well, do they do? I mean, I think it's just simple boundaries. And I think it's going to be different in different seasons of life. And that's what I tell people. You know, there's points in my life where I take my whole little social icon, I move it to the back of my phone where I have to swipe five times to get there. It takes extra effort because there are seasons I'm like, I don't need to know that. Like, it's just not good for me. Like, I don't want to know. I don't want to see. And so I think you have to be disciplined in your own life to know what that is. Because I don't think social media is evil or it's bad or it's wrong because, I mean, I have them, obviously. And so, so other therefore it's do. not bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have them. I didn't really like that. No, but I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I do see social media as the vehicle which takes us down the road of comparison. And so when you jump in that vehicle, just though that's probably what you're going down. And so is it better for you just to get off for a little bit for a while for a season? Or can you handle it? And it's fine and it's fun and you're able to see friends trips and you're and you're good with it. You know what I mean? So you just kind of have to watch, I think, yourself and where you are. So you travel a lot. You speak to audiences all over the country. What are some things that you see trending? What questions do they ask you after you speak? A lot of things are kind of budget-friendly questions. So I hear a lot of people say, how do I shop organic but do it on a budget? Mm. Or how do we go on vacation and do it on a budget? And after I heard these constantly, those are a lot of people's questions, and I realized for most people it's like, hey, how can I live my life and do everything I want all the time but do it on a budget? And so that's what I'm finding is a lot of people are they're wanting that and they're saying it, but actually applying and putting their money where their mouth is, if you will, is difficult and can why, be hard. Why is it so hard for somebody to make a budget, to live under their income, to stay out of debt. What happened? When did it become normative to live with debt? Oh, just the slide over the years. I mean, it's it's interesting looking back decades and decades. Because I think back, I'm like, my great-grandparents, debt was a sin. Yeah. You know, you know, my grandparents, you only borrowed on this. You know, my parents, your generation, my mom and dad's generation, it was the credit card. The baby boomers, the credit card and the car loan. My generation, it's the student loan. You kind of just see this pattern of how debts intersected our lives. And more than ever, and I think because of technology and whatnot, Instant gratification is huge, and debt is an avenue that allows us to get whatever we want when we want it. And so because of that, I think even the idea of instant gratification, there's good things to it because we can get information instantaneously, and I think there's a lot of helpful things, but it's woven into our money and really created bad habits for us. So, so we hear the phrase financial wellness, 
And what does that mean to a person? Am I financially well or healthy? What does that mean? In my position, I would say, are you in control of your money? Are you making decisions where you're the one making the call, not the bank, not the car payment? So I would say debt plays a big part in that. But also, are you actively getting out of debt? And then month to month, are you choosing to spend your money wisely? Are you choosing to say, hey, this is where I want my money to go? And so that's a big part of being in control. Is, and that's down to the budget. I mean, that's the tactical part of mm-hmm. it. Are you living on a budget? Are you being intentional with where your money's going? And people are afraid of the term budget because it sounds constraining and restraining. In actuality, a budget is a good thing because it helps me identify that's where it's going. And this is the part I can play with and having fun with. Yeah, a budget doesn't limit your freedom. A budget gives you freedom. And so I like to say a budget gives you permission to spend. And so as a spender, I'm naturally a spender. I think you're either naturally a saver or spender. You're bent kind of one way or the other. And I'm a spender. And so for me, the budget, that's exactly how it felt. I was like, oh, my gosh. Because every time I heard the word budget, it was like, oh, oh no. well, we can't well, we can't go out to eat. We're on a budget. Or we can't go on vacation. We're on a budget. Oh, I can't go shopping right. today. I'm on a budget. And I'm like, people on budgets are not fun people. Like, if that's like <laughs> your life and you're on a budget, I'm like, that is not the kind of life I want to live. I want to enjoy my life. And so. So is Winston a saver? Winston's a saver. Oh, yes. Huh. Oh, yeah. And I'm the spender, and I'm the one that like talks about money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's, for my job, which is funny. I but. think unintended consequences. You marry a person opposite the way you look 100%. at money. Yeah, it yes. seems that way anyway. Yes. If you had two savers, it'd be a really interesting marriage. <laughs> that's right. I know. And <laughs> two I spenders, we get that part, but two savers, whoa. I know. And you want to find a healthy balance of both because you could be naturally wired one way. But to have the maturity to say, okay, if I'm a spender and I spend everything I make, I'm going to be broke. And I tell Winston on time, if he didn't marry me, he wouldn't have a life. He wouldn't go do anything fun. And so <laughs> I'm going to tell Winston that. Yeah, so you I'm don't like, have a life. So I'm like, you don't I, have a life. I make him spend some money. We go do fun things. You have to have both. There is a balance. Oh, uh, that's funny. Okay, let's change gears a little bit. This is practical. This is common sense. This is stuff people can learn. How does Rachel's faith affect and season what you're telling people because everything you said right now we could have said in a completely secular context just about being smart with money absolutely well not only are the principles biblically based we talk about this a lot you know even just proverbs i'm like open up proverbs dad jokes and he's like if you read proverbs you can have a financial degree i mean it's just like it's all right there the first habit in the book is quit the comparisons and we talked about that earlier but truly the underlining principle there is learning to be content learning to be grateful. And I really believe in my heart of hearts, it's very hard to be content when you don't have a relationship with Jesus. At the base of it, it's I can be content in all things is what Paul said while he was in jail. And so being able to say, okay, this is truly where I'm at. I can truly be content in my life. And for me, going past the social media, this idea of taking away what our culture permeates and what our culture shows all the time as hashtag blessed and truly looking at my blessings in life and being Mm. grateful for those. Because in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment and comparisons. And so that gratitude has to stem from somewhere. And can someone who's not a believer be grateful? Absolutely. But gosh, the deep parts of contentment, the peace you have in your life, for me, comes from Jesus. And so that's my foundation of everything that these habits are built upon. Let's do some quick questions. Okay. First book as a solo author. What was that like? It was difficult. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a great writer and writing is not my strength. So I had to get up really early. I actually wrote the book as I was on maternity leave. And so, yes. So I was, I planned it all before all the outlines and they were done. I had Amelia, and then my my writing started about a month Smart. after. So I, I was home writing. So it's a postpartum book. Yeah, that's right. I know. So it might be very emotional. <laughs> I don't know if that was a smart thing or not. No, but it was uh, – once, once I started typing, it was coming smart. out. But I think yeah. it's really smart. Yeah. Um, what is your guilty pleasure to spend on? 
two things and I can't decide between the two. One would just be clothes. I just enjoy clothes. Sounds shallow, but it's true. Number two are nice dinners. Nice dinners. Yeah. So going out and just being able to say, yes, I can have that to drink. I want that for appetizers. Let's get the meal. Let's get a dessert. A long Don't worry about two it. hour just get dinner. It. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Good to know. That's what I would do. Okay. What are you cheap on? When I grocery shop, honestly, besides meat, everything's Publix brand. Any cheese, any dairy, anything I buy, I go Publix. I don't need to spend the extra dollar or whatever to get the brand name. For me, it all tastes the same. What do you want to give to? The church, first and foremost. That sounds cliche, and not that because you're my pastor and you're sitting here. That truly yes. is. Yeah, that is. It that wasn't is a setup question. No, that is true. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a setup question. <laughs> uh, also, Young Life, yeah. that's near and dear to our hearts. We met through Young Life in college and are part of the committee in our county, and so we, we love it. And then we do some anonymous giving as well. Yeah. Um, do you enjoy giving? Love it. Is Winston? Yes. And I would say as a spender, I have found, and this is common for most people, spenders are naturally easier givers because mm-hmm. we kind of live with this open hand and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, here, here, here. So for me, I'm so much more apt to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's just, spend, yeah, we'll pay for the dinner. We'll do, you know, those, you know, and so Winston's probably more, not that he's not giving or generous, right. but he's like, well, let's look at the budget. Like we mm-hmm. need to get a little bit more analytical than just, you know, off the cuff. Uh, so with our big giving, we really dive deep, honestly, and we get probably detailed and boring for most people. We research what we give to as much as we do with like our investments. That's one thing your father taught me. Cindy and I love to give as well. Yeah. Just incidentally hearing him talk about you should know as much about who you're giving to as where you'd invest your money. I thought, you know, we give to good friends and good people, but we don't always know how those funds are used. Right, right. And it's helped Cindy and me with because we get asked to give just like you do to everything. Sure. And you want to be generous. And it's I think it's so cool that both of you want to give. Yes. If not, it's an unfortunate spiritual and I, contention. And I would say today, too, and I write about this in the book, but it's true. I've almost, over the years, gotten away from the emotions of giving because it's either just auto-draft or it just comes out of the bank account and it's just there. And so being able to give when it hurts, being able to honestly write an old-fashioned check— and you're, you're walking through that process, I think, is good because it can so easily just be an auto-draft. Okay, it just comes out. That's great. But having to go through the act of actual giving, I think, is good for people mm-hmm. because it can become so automated. Yeah. I have a pastor friend who has multiple services, and he writes an individual check at every service. Oh, wow. Not for people to see no, him. yeah. But he says, I want to go into the presence of worship saying I'm giving something. Mm. Good. And he writes four checks every morning. I think it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but for him, it's it's a meaningful. It's meaningful it is, though because you're, you're you're conscious of what you're doing. Yes. What's God teaching you right now? I would say honestly, in the season of of work, not only figuring out what our family values right now and knowing that we're going to go through kind of a crazy season. Winston, I had a good talk the other day, uh, driving to Knoxville about this kind of realigning again, our family, we have to have these conversations a lot because things can kind of get crazy. So I think for us, the unity aspect during the season is huge. And uh, I would say that. And then also I need to read my own book as I answer this question, because launching a book, it's intimidating and it's scary. And I'm seeing other authors do it and their books have done very well. And so I find myself, A little bit like, okay, it may not do as well as that book did, but it's okay, Rachel. You know, the whole comparison thing. And so I'm having to like go back and reread my stuff about gratitude. I'm like, okay, here's my gratitude list. Here's what I'm thankful (laughs) for. Uh, But it's true. It's a a scary, intimidating process I'm about to jump into, but I'm excited about it and it's great. Rachel Cruz, author of a book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me on. In Context is made possible by donations from listeners like you. If you're a regular listener, would you consider giving a one-time or monthly donation at michaelincontext.com? Thank you.